Now you're very welcome along to our gardening programme for the last Saturday of April. Mm. Pori Corkin, good morning into to May. you. Good morning, Deirdre. Where, good morning, listeners. Yeah, where did that month go to? Well, I'm glad to see the back of it, to be quite honest. Oh, April really? has been a very difficult month. Oh, it's been extremely cold, extremely windy. I suppose from uh, a gardening wet, point of view, yes. From a gardening, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I'm looking forward to May. And okay. hopefully we'll have good weather. And, uh, you know, because there's lots to be done in the garden yet. And I think I was saying last week that people are behind this year, certainly. They haven't been planting the vegetables and the herbs and, and the bedding plants in particular with the frost at night time. And I wouldn't go planting them out yet because it's still quite frosty and yeah, quite damaging. Well, when I came out this morning at whatever early time it was, around half five, uh, I had to go back Good. in and get a little drop of hot water for yep. the windscreen. Yeah, yeah it's still so there. Any tender plants need to be kept inside. So April has been, I suppose it's been probably more a typical April than we've been spoiled the last couple of years mm. with really good early spring. So it's be more typical weather, uh, you know, April weather, but it certainly has been very cool. Growth has slowed down quite a lot. Um, so I'm looking forward to a little bit of heat now yeah. over the next couple of weeks. I think so. I, but, I do think things are supposed to improve a little bit, though. But funny enough, I was in the uh, in the garden this morning mm. and uh, something caught my eye. I, I brought brought in a clipping. Yeah, I, I, I said, I said, oh well, I think it, I, I think it's a rose. Yeah, Never let so it be I, said. I got a bit of a gold star. This Never morning. let it be said. I don't bring in something now and again. But this is uh, <laughs> one of the shrub roses, and it's very very early for roses. I mean, people are probably thinking, well. My roses aren't flowering in the garden, but the normal floribundas and hybrid teas and climbing roses won't be blooming yet. But this is one of the shrub, shrub roses. It's a very hardy plant, just coming into flower now, and it'll stay in flower probably right through till July, early August. Um, and certainly with any of the shrub roses that have single blooms, they then produce the lovely hips in the autumn, the orange and mm. red hips in the autumn. But a very easy, tough plant. And shrub roses, you de- generally don't prune them back, so hence they come into flower that little that, bit earlier. Okay. Um, so that's it's a variety called Rosa de la Haye and, um, lovely colour. Yeah, it's a lovely mm, colour. Just starting to flower now. So it caught my eye. So so things aren't too bad in the garden. I yeah, suppose. it's not a case that everything has uh, just stopped for tea and waiting for the sunshine yeah. to come out. And but like I was saying last week, it has been a great spring. I mean, things have flowered very well. Apple mm. trees are full of flower at the moment. But I suppose we just, we just need that little bit of warmth uh, to bring things on. Yeah. And to allow people to get a, to put their bedding plants out and their, and their um, basket plants and vegetables and, and, and so on. So, and I suppose when we do get that mm. bit of warmth, they'll probably be a great sport to Oh, they will. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the, it's early days. Um, there's plenty of time yet for, for doing all those jobs in the garden. There's a long gardening season yet. The other thing I want to mention is the Westport Beekeepers Association just asked me to mention that um, today in their apiary, and then apiary is, is where we keep bees, and, mm-hmm. and the Westport Club have a fantastic apiary in Westport with 20 or 30 hives that they bring the students in the club out to teach them how to mine the bees and look after the bees. So it's, I suppose it's a working uh, bee apiary and, um, you know, during the weeks, the various tasks and different jobs, uh, the lads in the association show the beginners how to, um, the key jobs to be doing with bees. But this Saturday, that's today. Today. At three o'clock. Um, the, they have Philip McCabe, who was one of Ireland's leading experts. You might know Philip. He Philip, I think, would be on uh, one of our competitor stations yeah. <laughs> in the afternoon on RTE yeah, On yeah. Mooney's programme. Yeah. And Philip um, is an expert in bees and has, has spent his life studying bees and learning from bees. But he's going to give a talk and he's very entertaining. So he's well worth He's from Monaghan and he's very, very entertaining and, and very knowledgeable about bees. So if, if people are interested in seeing a working apiary, or if they're thinking about getting into bees, or they have bees and they want to learn a couple of tips from one of Ireland's leading experts, I'd advise them to go along. So that's today in Westport at the Chagas Centre, which is out on the Newport Road. And they're gathering there at, let me look at my notes, they're gathering there actually at half two. Um, and then they're going to bring them out to the apiary and Philip is going to give a talk out there. And Philip is also in the Museum of Country Life on Sunday. 
um, at three o'clock. And again, he's going to give a talk on um, he's going to give a talk on honey. Is it food or medicine? Is okay. his topic. So again, it's going to be on. so that's for for people interested in bees or thinking of getting into bees mm. or having have bees at the moment. That's uh, have to today in Chagas in Westport and uh, you go out to the apiary and, and be shown how the bees, you know, how the bees are working and, and the hints and tips of looking after bees. Sounds really, really interesting. It is. So and it, it's, it's, a, it's, I suppose, a chance in a lifetime because Philip would be very sought after. He's one of the Ireland's leading speakers on bees. So to get him in the in Westport today is, is a coup for the Westport uh, Beekeepers Club. So well done, guys. Absolutely. Well done to everybody. And uh, do go along if you have nothing else lined up. And even if you're not necessarily thinking of keeping bees or anything like that yourself, just out of pure interest to it'll see how fa- the whole thing operates. It'll be very, very yeah. interesting. I can tell you that. And if you missed today, then, then tomorrow in the museum... Um, Philip is well worth seeing tomorrow afternoon. Okay, but you'll get to actually see bees in action. You will indeed in the April today, yeah, in Westport. So it's out in the Chagas office. It's just on the Newport Road, just outside Westport on the left hand side. And you'll see the cars there from, what did I say? Half Half two. two. Half two onwards. Okay, great stuff. Right, let us uh, start with some questions for it. Do some work. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, Aaron, your keep. Uh, well, in my case, anyway, um, we'll start with hedging. Yeah. It's a, a constantly, I suppose, a, 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 a point of, of, yeah. of question. Uh, somebody has a green Lelandii hedge. Um, <clears throat> will the fr- they're concerned about the frost at night at the moment? Will it affect it if they trim it now? Nah, no, not at all. No, no, you can trim it. Certainly, tidy it back. Remember with Lelandii, not to cut them too severely. So go back into the green wood. So you can certainly remove, say, eighteen inches, uh, two feet comfortably from the top, and about another foot or eighteen inches from the side of the Lelandii depending on the age of course but a mature hedge you could certainly remove that the trick with Lelandia as I said is not to cut them too severely don't go, go into brown wood or old wood and uh, when you prune them give them a light bit of feed as well a little bit of tree shrub fertiliser but the frost won't affect them no not at all they, as I always mention with Lelandia I suppose you can certainly give them a tidy up at this time of year mm. but the main time to be pruning them is June, July that sort of period midsummer, after they put on the first flush of growth you prune them and then they put on a small bit of growth before the winter so um by all means, cut them now, tidy them up and then reprune them or retrim them again in late June, early July and that'll have them nice and neat for the winter. Excellent. Okay. Um, now, somebody would like to plant baskets and window boxes okay. for colour in July. Yeah. Right. So, what compost is best and would you be able to suggest some good plants that flower for a long period? Well, you, you can get actually a specific tree, uh, uh, tub and basket compost and in that you've got the swell gel which retains moisture and you've got a good long-term fertiliser. But whatever compost you're using, and that's probably one of the best because it stays moist longer. Mm-hmm. I would also advocate to mix a little bit of the long-term um, granular fertiliser so Westland do a very good one it's a six month feed particularly for baskets and containers and you simply mix that to the compost before planting them up so small little granular fertiliser especially coated that releases the fertiliser over a very long period so it's a six month feed ideal for all containers be it hanging baskets window boxes or even if you're putting shrubs or plants into tubs and containers add some of that through the compost and then in terms of plants there's a huge variety of plants available for July I would be thinking of ivy leaf geraniums, fuchsias would be very good. Petunias, of course, the trailing petunias would be would be lovely in baskets and containers. A few French marigolds would be nice as well. Trailing lobelias, which again trail over mm. the edge of the basket. White bacopa, which is a lovely white plant. It's in flower at the moment and will still flower on for months right through till September, October. Um, 
training verbena. So there's lots of hanging basket plants available now. Even with the frost, I'd still be planting them up and getting them started and keep them in a sheltered part of the garden. Uh, if you have a tunnel or greenhouse, that's the ideal location right. for them. And as they're growing then, as the basket plants are growing during the summer, in, say in a month's time, about the end of May, early June, pinch back the growing points which means just simply pinching out the growing tips of the plants. That'll encourage the basket plants to branch. And on the branches, because you're multiplying the number of stems Mm -hmm. you're going to get from the the basket plants, you're going to multiply the number of flowers as well. So in about a month's time, just tip back, pinch back those uh, shoots on the petunias or on the fuchsia or on the geranium. And that'll encourage side branching. And on that branching, you get a lot more flower. And of course, you liquid feed your baskets then from about the first week of July, about every fortnight with a liquid feed, a tomato feed or something like one would be ideal. And that'll keep them blooming then right through to the end of the summer. Okay, so it's a great time to do them and for July I mean there's such a choice of plants available at the moment for doing baskets and t- containers so Okay so you'll be able to really come up with the, all sorts of colour schemes and yeah. uh, everything and anything really Yeah and sometimes it's often nice to do to do a basket with just the one you know with something like maybe mm. training petunias a purple or, and a white mixed together rather than putting in, in a whole platter of different things you can certainly go for one or, or say begonias all red and yellow mixed together so you don't have to get too too um, adventurous mm. with the different varieties of plants you can go simply for one type and maybe mix the colours for a nice contrast but there's a, lot, a, a wide range of uh, hanging basket plants available and, and really now is the time to get them done Okay, of they'll need a month they'll need a month kind of six weeks before they're really flowering well so to have them really looking cracking for July, you need to make a start now. Okay, and I just see also on trailing petunias, somebody's wondering, do you have to pull the tops off them like sweet peas? Yes, and yeah. that's what I mean yeah. by pinching back. Yeah. So it's, and, and the answer is you don't have to do it, but if you do it, it will encourage side branching and with that side branching, you'll get more flowers. So you're just multiplying the number of stems the plant is going to produce and hence you're going to multiply the number of flowers. And really, you're not going to delay the plant in coming into flower by more than a couple of days. So I would always advise pinching back the growing points. And that's just the top half inch or inch of the growing stem of of the trailing petunia. Right. And just pinch it back and that will encourage side branching and particularly if you're feeding the plant and you get lots and lots of colour then through the summer. Okay, great. Now, seed potatoes and the growing of potatoes is also very popular over the last couple of years, Porik. Um, somebody's wondering, seed potatoes, if that they can plant in pots, would they, that would be different than the usual varieties available? Yeah, and, and, and first to say with potatoes at the moment, particularly for listeners that plant them early, they are breaking the soil at the moment. Okay. With the heavy frost we're getting at, the, at this time of year, you do want to cover them. So go out and mould them up and put some extra soil on top of the, the early sprouting potatoes. If you see them coming above the soil, because the frost we're getting at, the, at this time of year will damage that young growth and set them back. So that's the first tip. There's no problem planting, continuing to plant potatoes at the moment. If you have them in, plant them by all means. And planting them in tubs, I would go for fast maturing varieties. So there's a very good variety called Romano. I think we featured it before. Mm-hmm. It, it produces its, its uh, crop within about six weeks or seven weeks and ideal for growing in containers. So that's Romano, very good variety. Another nice one is called Accord. Accord, which produces, it's particularly nice for baby potatoes, if you like the kind of nice early salad potatoes or uh, nice small potatoes. Accord is a really good one. Great in tubs and containers um, and again it'll produce your a, a very good crop by the middle of July if planted now. 
middle July, late July. It's an early variety. So a Cord Romania for me are two good ones. Um, again, a good early one would be Duke of York. Red Duke of York is a particularly nice one. Again, it's very early. And again, you've got a nice red uh, skin on, on the, that particular variety to produce full-size potatoes. So Red Duke of York, a Cord and Romania will be three good varieties for tubs and containers. And indeed, you can plant them in the garden as well. Okay, great. Now, um, somebody's wondering about uh, using Lignoron. Uh, how, do, how long does it take to work? They sprayed it on potatoes about 10 days ago. Well, it, remember how Lignoron, just to recap how, how mm. it actually works with potatoes. First of all, it's, it can only be used on potatoes and carrots. That, that's, it's, it's combined to those two vegetable crops. When you're using Lignoron, what it effectively does is it stops the weeds from growing. So you plant your potatoes, you mould them up, um, you clean off the drill so there should be no weeds on the drill before applying the linuron. You apply the linuron then along the, the clean drill and that keeps the, the area completely weed free for up to you know, three months, four months during the growing period. So one application is sufficient. So when the listener says it's not working um, or they, they don't see it working yeah. yet, I mean you won't see it working as such in that you're, you're putting it onto clean soil and you, what you shouldn't see is any weeds growing. Now the potato will come right through the um, through the drill as normal or through the ridge as normal um, but you shouldn't see any other weed growth. So effectively what Linuron does, it stops the weeds from germinating and it keeps the soil clean, you know, during and whilst the potato is growing through the soil and while it's growing for the rest of the season. So it's not that you're going to see it like spraying Roundup or something else. That, right, where they die off. Yeah. So just to recap, when you're using Linuron, make sure the, the the soil is clean when you're starting. And it should be. After planting the potatoes, mm. you're going to be moulding them up. Yeah. You're going to have a nice clean soil. And then you apply the Linuron. Um, now, if you, mow, if you add extra soil to the top of the, of the drill, like I mentioned, if, if the potatoes have come up through early and you're, you want to protect them against the frost and you're adding extra soil to the top of the drill, then you need to reapply the linuron. Okay. Okay, so you apply it to the, to the soil surface and any weed seed that comes in contact with that, it will keep it clean and, and weed-free. Now, when you're using it with carrots, it's the reverse. So you sow the carrot seed, you allow the carrot seed to germinate and when the true leaf of the carrot comes through, then you apply the linuron. So at that stage, and we're probably looking, if you sow the seeds t- today, it will be the middle of May, towards the end of May, before the carrots are ready for spraying. And at that stage, weeds will have already started to grow with the carrots, but it will only kill the carrot, or the, it'll only kill the weeds around the carrot and not affect the carrot plant itself. So you use it in two different ways. So potatoes, it's used before the stem of the potato comes through, whilst the soil is still clean. With carrots, you use it after it germinates, after the actual... Um, seed germinates and when the true leaf of the carrot is on it. Directions are on the pack so you know read them carefully and if you go onto my website gardencentre.ie we have a fact sheet on Linuron and you'll be able to download it there and just read the instructions and follow them. It's quite simple to use, very very effective um, but, but it's, it's, it's not it's as if you're going to see something Right, happening. it's kind of prevention rather it's than prevention. Uh, kind of after the fact. Well, particularly with potatoes, it's, yeah. it's, you're preventing the weeds from growing. Right. With the carrots, you're allowing the carrots to grow. The weeds, of course, are beginning to grow as well. And you see, listeners, particularly with carrots, if you start to weed around the carrots, you're excreting the scent of the carrot into the air. That attracts our old friend, the carrot root fly. Right, right. And therefore... You, you know, so the less kind of hoeing and weeding you're doing around carrots, the less you're spreading the scent of the carrot and hence the less damage you'll get with carrot root fly because it zones in on the actual, um, on the carrot 
plant itself when you get the scent, particularly if you're thinning carrots or you're weeding carrots and you're excreting, you know, you'll smell it off your own yeah. hands, so you're excreting that scent into the atmosphere. The carrot fly mm-hmm. comes in on that and, and zones in on it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, we'll take one more and then yeah. we shall take a quick break. Um, somebody's wondering, are grow bags good for growing tomatoes? Well, they're, yes, yes and no. In that, to be honest, I, I would, if you're using the grow bag, don't use it in the traditional way of laying it flat and putting three tomato plants mm. in. Because what happens is, over the, the for the first couple of weeks, it's fine. But as the tomatoes start to mature and as they start to develop, the grow bag is so thin that the roots totally colonise the, the, the grow bag and it's very, very difficult to water. So if you are using grow bags in the traditional method of just laying them flat and putting two or three plants in, then my advice is to get a large um, saucer-like tray and you, they're available, that you can sit the actual bag in. Right. And when you're watering it, you're watering into the tray and the, the, the bag soaking is sucking it up. Right. So that's the first thing. The, the second way you can use the grow bags is lay them flat, but cut them in two. So right. cut them in the middle yeah. and make them into... So you know you're effectively you've got two bags. Sit them upright and plant a tomato plant into each bag. So you've effectively created like a pot out of the grow bag, two pots out of the grow bag. That's a simpler way to do it. Or to be honest, I would generally grow my own tomatoes in pots. Right. Get a good sized pot, maybe a 15 litre, 20 litre pot, nice large pot. Use a good quality compost. Use that slow release fertiliser I mentioned, a couple of spoons of that into the container um, before putting the tomato plant in. And leave a good four to five inches of um, area from the top of the pot to the compost so that when you're watering it you can put plenty of water in because tomatoes use copious amounts of water when they're flowering and when they're fruiting and the, the danger is that if you let them dry out you'll get a thing called bottom rot which is rot, the rotting of the bottom of the, the tomato mm. brown rot it's often called a bottom end rotting where you turn the tomato up and the base of it has gone brown and, and discoloured and that's a sign that the watering has been irregular have been allowed to dry out at some stage. So, so really, if you're using the traditional grow bags, get yourself a tray and you sit the, the grow bag into the tray and water from there, or else cut it in two and use the grow bag as two separate pots. Stand them upright and plant a tomato in each in each uh, pot, or else grow, use plastic, large plastic pots with good drainage and get a good quality compost. Mix the slow release fertilizer through them and plant one plant, and maybe some basil or some lettuce yeah. around the base of it, and 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 do it that way. It'll make it'll make your life an awful lot easier okay. in trying to keep them watered and look after them, because it can be disappointing. The grow bags are cheap to buy, but yep. they can be very difficult just to keep watered yes. and, and looked after. Yeah. So. Okay, and that's the key, is, is the watering. The watering is essential. Well, is when you think about it, that's really what tomato that's is. There's a very, well, very large percentage of it really is water. At the huge end of amount the day. of foliage yeah. and stem, mm. huge amount of, of when the crop well, huge amount of water used. So, you know, if they dry out, you, you, you've lost all that hard work that you've done yeah. for two months. So, you know, in August and September, when it's very warm, they need to be watered nearly daily if they're in okay. grow bags. Um, so I would opt for plant containers, large black tubs or, or containers, or if you're using the grow bags, split them in two. So cut them in the middle and use them as two separate pots, if okay. that makes sense. Yep, it most certainly does. Right, we're going to take a quick break. We have lots more questions to come. Stay with us. OK, you're very welcome back. A big, uh, different uh, collection of all sorts of questions there for you, Porrick. So let's go back. Um, first of all, apple trees. Somebody's yes. wondering, is it too late to plant and do you have to plant two of them together? 
Yeah, we know no, to it's, produce it's, fruit. It's, it's an ideal time to plant mm. them. Um, get yourself potted trees because they've just come into growth and into flower. Uh, if you go for the coronet range, you'll get them to flower and fruit this year. And yes, you need to have um, a minimum of two. But, you know, for, for an average house, you'd want to have three to five apple trees. Go for different varieties. The key thing with apples is that they flower at the same time so that the bees can work from one flower to the other to cross-pollinate them. And uh, so maybe look for the coronet varieties. They'll give you some fruit this year. You'll probably get six or eight apples off each tree this year. Okay. And um, no, it's a great time, great time to plant them. Soil conditions are ideal. Um, so yeah, get your fruit in. And that applies to all fruit, rhubarb, strawberries, blackcurrants, gooseberries, any of the, the fruiting plants. Um, late April, early May is a good time to plant them. Okay, good stuff. Now, tree peony planted yes, about tree peony. Yeah. four years ago okay. in good soil, but it's not growing very well and it's not flowering. Well, the flowering on tree peonies and peonies in general, mm-hmm. I mean, this is typical of them. They, they, don't, they, they don't flower for anything up to five or six years. Now, you can certainly help to in, encourage them to flower by putting a high potash fertiliser on them. So in this instance, I would use a rose feed. Um, it's high in potash, so use something like uh, top rose or sudden impact around the base of them. Now is a good time to actually feed them and repeat that feed about the end of May and that will certainly slow down the growth in, in peonies and help them to come into flower but they are typically uh, shy to flower for anything up to five, six, seven years so patience yes, okay. patience okay. yeah now, and it will be worth it. It will, and, and they are the tree peony in particular is relatively slow growing as well. So okay. you don't get a, a, an awful. It's it's different to the ordinary herbaceous peony. So the herbaceous variety dies down in winter, grows two or three feet, and after a number of years will flower. Um, with the tree peonies, they're only putting on about five to six inches of growth per year, so they're quite slow, um, particularly in an open garden, and they tend to take a number of years to flower. So just per- persevere with it. The rose feed will certainly help, or a potash feed will certainly help. Not so much to get it to flower this year, but next year or the year after. Okay, great. Now, my Daphne Mesereum has yeah, yeah. finished flowering and has now developed green buds or seeds where the flowers were. So this person's wondering, um, are these seeds and can they grow new plants from them? Yeah, Daphne Mesereum, beautiful plant. It flowers actually in February, early March, and it's highly scented. I mean, if you have this plant in your garden, you'll know you have it okay. because there's a beautiful scent of it. Rich, deep purple flowers and it flowers on last year's growth so um, so it flowers very early in the season yeah exactly what the listener is describing they're the seeds of Daphne Miserium they're green at this time of year so it's a single flowering plant even though there's massive flower on it each individual flower is single and if they're pollinated which obviously this one has been uh, they'll set berries or they'll set seed now you want to watch because the birds love the seeds right <laughs> so, so you need to get competition the, right so you yeah. need to net the if, you're out, if you okay. want to collect the seed from Daphne Miserium you need to net them so get yourself a little bit of netting, put it onto the the bush or into the shrub. Um, Leave the seeds for about another three to four weeks to allow them to ripen. And then I would take them from the plant and put them into a something like a Tupperware box, you know, the sandwich mm-hmm. box or yes. Tupperware box with compost or sand. So I'd put the berries into that into that um, and leave it out of doors. And uh, the reason you put it in the Tupperware container is to make sure that we keep birds or vermin away from the seed okay. because. Um, the field mice or whatever will eat, will actually eat the seed. And this would apply to, say, holly seed, holly berries in the autumn or cotoneaster berries. If you want to sow berries in general or seed in general, the tubware container is a great way to do that. So you mix it with compost, uh, make sure the compost is moist and put in maybe 100 or 
200 seed into the Tupperware box. Leave it in the garden and over over the summer period and particularly next spring those seeds will start to germinate so check the container every now and again as you see the seeds germinating then sow them into pots or into a seed tray and grow them on because from maybe 100 seed you might only get 20 or 30 to grow and they need what we call stratification which is cold temperatures to, to actually break the dormancy in the seed to get the seeds to grow. Mm. So it's often a good idea to put them into a tub or container, stick them under a hedge or stick them in, out in the garden somewhere, let the cold uh, get at them and that will initiate the germination and you'll find, keep an eye on them over the summer, particularly next spring, next February, March, you'll see the seeds starting to germinate and those that start to germinate, you'll see the young roots coming on, the few leaves coming on, they can be started in pots and growing on. So I suppose it's, it's a lovely plant uh, it can be propagated from um, from seed, as the listener says. Right. You can also propagate it from root cuttings from the plant as well. So you could take a portion of the root and pot it up and Daphne will grow from that as well. And it is a slow process. Right. So be patient, be patient with the Daphne. Okay, it's a bit like the beanies. It, yeah, it does take time to actually right. grow them. But a beautiful plant, Daphne Bazerium, and a very popular plant. And listeners that have it in their garden will know it because it flowers so early and the scent is just... Okay, Fantastic. so it's giving you a bit of early year colour as well if you're February. looking for something like that. Yeah, February, March, okay. that time of year. It doesn't flower for very long, about five, six weeks, but okay. when it's in bloom, it's, it's stunning, yeah, lovely colour. Okay, now, for listeners that, that have it in the garden and maybe don't want, uh, you know, don't want to go through the, the hassle of sowing mm-hmm. it from seed, now is the time to prune it back. So okay. if you do have it, give it a bit of a, a good trim now at this time of year and give it a feed and that'll encourage lots of new growth and you get lots of colour next spring again. And just on the Tupperware container, I, presumably that is with the lid on it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, sorry, yeah. no, that's my yeah, no, like no, 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 yeah, I should have said yeah. that. Yeah. And, and the idea of the lid on it, you're keeping the moisture yeah. into the, in the compost but you're keeping the birds and, and field mice will feed off Cotoni aster berries or holly berries or whatever. So it's a great way to, if you have berries in the garden, um, Daphne just happens to have them at this time of year, but I suppose we associate berries more with the autumn. So pyracantha, cotoni aster, hollies, that's the way to sow the, the seed. Because mm. if you put them straight out into a ridge, the birds will pick them, the mice will get at them over the winter period, and you're, you're not sure which, what's going to germinate. Whereas you put them in the, in the tub, you've got them confined, uh, you're in control, and you can pick out the seeds that are actually germinating. Great. Okay. Now, uh, this is lovely. Somebody who's never sown a lawn before and they'd like to do it this weekend. Okay. So they're wondering what steps and is it the right time? Yeah, it's a, it's a great time. Uh, it's a great time to sow a lawn. You're coming into the right time of year. Now, it depends what, what, what condition the soil is in at the moment. So let's start with the very basics. If it's full of weeds and docks and grass and a neglected area and you're starting for the first time, well, the first thing is to eliminate any weeds, grass, docks, any rubbish that's there. So I would use uh, Roundup or a 360 weed kill or something with glyphosate in it. A good dry day like today is ideal. It possibly is a tad windy, so just make sure the spray isn't getting on any other beneficial plants. So kill off the weeds first of all. That will take about 10 days to two weeks to work. And then you're ready to till the soil. Um, and that effectively means rotivating the soil or digging the soil and breaking it up and taking out any uh, stones or debris that's in the area. Uh, creating a nice fine tilt of the soil so raking it and taking out any stones firming the soil back down putting on a fertiliser like a preceding fertiliser 
and you put that on before you put on the seed and then you put on your, your, your seed a good quality number two maybe a dwarf lawn seed something that's going to be hard wearing but easy to maintain and that seed should germinate certainly within um, a three to four week period uh, this time of year particularly if the temperatures now get above 10, 15 degrees Celsius it'll germinate very rapidly and you'll have a terrific lawn by certainly July early August of this year so Ideal conditions, the main thing is to get the weed, get it weed free to start with, till the soil well, put in the fertiliser before you put on the seed because once the seed germinates, it's very soft and tender and can be damaged if you put fertiliser on, uh, you know, say in midsummer. So get the feed in first. So get yourself a bag of pre-seeding lawn fertiliser, put that on before you put the uh, seed on and it's a cracking time, really good time okay. to do it. Good luck with that project yeah. over the weekend. Um, now, somebody has a lot of carrots in their tunnel. Uh, they're up about six inches already. How good. do they protect them from carrot root fly? And they also have cabbage in the same area. Okay, so with carrot root fly, mm. we, we talked about earlier, cabbages can be damaged, obviously, by, by cabbage root fly or things like... Um, things like leather jackets or later on caterpillars. So there's a couple of ways you can do it. First of all, you can get yourself a simple net protection for the carrots that you fit, simply fit over the carrots and the, it works as a physical barrier to keep the car, carrot root fly away from the plant. So the carrot root fly tends to come in, um, it comes in on the scent of the carrot and lays the eggs at the base of the carrot plant and the, the eggs hatch and the, the larvae work their way down along the stem. So a physical bar, barrier like a, a carrot net will certainly be a very good way of doing it and particularly in a tunnel you can also use um, an organic method one called super nemos which are they're small parasitic nematodes that you mix with water you apply to the carrot area and the nematodes start working in the soil and will kill any carrot root fly that are there so they they work on the basis like ladybirds work on the basis of eating green fly the super nematodes they will actually work by um, eliminating the carrot root fly larvae so they attack the larvae and it's a very good organic method so it's a very natural way of doing it and, and obviously there's no damage to the carrot, carrot um, plants themselves mm. now those those nematodes have to be ordered so if you're interested in doing those go to lo- your local garden centre ask for them and they'll order them in and send them directly to you and they have to be used within a couple of days so they're actually a living organism that you mix with water and you apply to the carrot plants and that protects from soil level Again, the traditional way, I suppose, is using something like karate, which is a treatment that you can mix with water and apply to the plants themselves. That's an insecticide that's used for uh, carrot root fly, cabbage root fly. It'll kill caterpillars as well. So the one treatment. So there's three options. Either net them, use a physical protection, use something organic like the super nematodes or use... um, a traditional uh, insecticide like karata, which is specifically for carrot root fly and cabbage root fly. It'll also do caterpillars and aphids, um, you know, the general normal vegetable pests that you, you get. Okay, great. Now, somebody uh, read your article this week in the Connacht uh, Telegraph, I think it was, and uh, on the rain tree. So they're wondering, can you use this on a large arch in their garden? They want to get something that can, will hang down. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, the golden rain tree, first of all, is, yes, is laburnum. Say, you know, the lovely laburnum, flowers. which flowers in mid-May, mid-May, June sort of period. And it's got foot-long flowers, particularly if you go for the variety laburnum vossiae. It's got beautiful, large flowers. Um, yeah, you can use it. You can. It's normally sold as a tree, funny enough, and as a small tree for the garden. Right. But you can because it's so flexible. It's in the pea family, so it's got a very flexible stem, and you can use it as a wall climber, or in this case, as an arch or pergola. And I suppose using it on an arch, it's it's quite a good idea because yeah. the flowers will then hang down as you're walking through the arch. So yes, 
go, you look for young plants of laburnum vossii um, because the younger they are, the easier they are to train and the more flexible the stems. So try to get one or maybe two-year-old trees. Plant them maybe six to eight feet along the arch and um, bend down the stems so create once you've them planted bend down the stems and tie them in and allow the train the growth up along the structure of the arch Mm. and then over a number of years the flowers will start to develop and hang down through the arch so it's actually a lovely a lovely idea for a garden arch or for a pergola now I would you know bear in mind that laburnum flowers May June so you need to be thinking about adding some extra colour on the arch for summertime. So think about some clematis, summer flowering varieties like Hagley Hybrid, uh, Bees Jubilee, Nellie Moser, um, maybe put on Montana, which would be from flower this time of year, and then maybe some roses. So plant a variety of plants, mm. even though predominantly you can use the laburnum, but I would use other plants, honeysuckles, just to add a little bit extra colour for the summer months. Um, so do bear in mind that laburnums, whilst they're beautiful, they flower for a six or maybe eight week period at most. Right. So think about either side of that, adding colour to your to, to, the, to, to the arch or to the pergola. Okay, yeah, we had an arch, but sadly I'm afraid uh, the frost, uh, uh, wisteria. Oh yeah. Uh, it took about 10 years for it to come into flower initially yeah. and uh, it was fabulous for about four years and then the frost came and I'm afraid it has oh, never recovered. After waiting yeah, 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if it, well, and wisteria would be beautiful. It is and it was gorgeous the years that it came out. Yeah, and yeah. It, would, it would exactly like the laburnum, the flowers yeah. would hang down through the arch. But funny enough, the, the wisteria can be sown propagated from seed and when they're propagated from seed, they take that 10-year period to come into flower. Mm. So if you're buying a wisteria, ask for a grafted variety. Right. If you get a grafted variety, it will come in typically into flower after four or five years. Okay. So it shortens the period. So plants sown from seed like that can take that length of period to flower. Whereas plants grafted, it's a, a different method of propagating, mm. but it just brings the plants into flower a lot earlier. So, um, but yeah, wisteria and, and like they live, well, the frost obviously got your it one. They got our one, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, but and, but it, for those years that it did was ah, there, stunning. it was absolutely stunning. And yeah. they're vigorous as well, you see, so they're ideal for mm. a, a big area like yeah. a pergola, a large wall. Um, so yeah, wisteria would be a lovely variety. So I suppose what we're saying to the listeners, think about other other, other variety, plants yeah. to put up. If you're using the golden rain tree, it's beautiful, but think of it's something else. Yeah. yeah, okay. Short-lived in flower, yeah. Okay, let's take a very quick break again. Uh, we still have more questions. You can keep them coming to us. 87 one is our text with thanks to C&C Cellular where switching your landline to Vodafone is easy. Phone is 0818 3055 and that dedicated email is garden at midwestradio.ie Okay, now you're very welcome back. We're just uh, looking at the the various difficulties that people are encountering and things that are uh, creating curiosities, Park. Um, now, let me just see. Um, yes, somebody recently ploughed new land for potatoes. There's some grass growing. Um, how would you kill this off? Well, you you can use something like um, Roundup or, or 360, which once it touches the soil, it becomes neutralised. So if there's grass there, that will certainly kill it off. And you don't, if you use something like Roundup, you can leave it for maybe three to four days before planting mm. um, but you know and then start to till the soil and within that time the, the weed killer will be working away but one, because it touched the soil it, the weed killer itself will become neutralised so there's no danger to the new potatoes going in so yeah spot treat uh, any grass ideally before you plough or rotivate I would have treated the area first and then 
you know, left it maybe a week to 10 days and then till the ground and just till the dead grass in. But having said that, if there's grass there, now the roundup obviously is only going to kill what it touches. So you may have other grass and weeds coming through. Right. Depending on, on you know, how clean it was before mm. it was ploughed. Mm. But certainly something like 360 or roundup will eliminate that grass uh, before planting without doing any damage to the soil. Okay, now this, I know we did, went into this next question quite a lot in detail last week, but we'll just maybe reiterate uh, the key points. Um, a weed killer to kill overgrown briars. They've tried a few different ones, but they don't seem to work. Well, I suppose what I was saying last week is is just, you know, it's a, little, it's a tad early with the cool weather. Brambles aren't growing as well as maybe in a nice sheltered area. There's plenty of foliage on them, but don't go treating them yet. Allow them to grow on a little bit more. I would leave them another two to three weeks to allow plenty of young growth to come on the brambles and then hit them with a brushwood killer and actually Roundup do a very good one uh, called Roundup Brushwood Killer. Mix it in water, a little bit of washing up liquid, spray it on and that'll kill the brambles, no problem at all. But they're just, they're they're not as luscious as they would normally be at this time of year because growth has been slow. So leave them another two or three weeks and, and treat them then. Okay. And that Brushwood Killer won't damage the soil. So again, if the listener wants to plant something into the area, they can certainly do that. Okay. Now we have a number of novice gardeners uh, listening this morning. Somebody else new to gardening and would like some easy to grow shrubs or flowers that will flower every year. They're wondering what would be good to plant. Well, oh, there's a, I suppose a whole whole variety of plants available. And again, I suppose the first thing is that it's a great time to plant. Soil conditions are ideal. So if you're looking for kind of, it depends on the, the height of plants you want, but off the top of my head, things like the lovely golden spireas would be very easy to grow. Plant them maybe in groups of threes rather than planting a whole platter of different ones. Um, Lavateria is a great plant. There's one called uh, Brendan Springs and Lavateria for me is a very fast growing plant. You get lots of colour this time of year and um, helps to fill up a board or a bed very quickly and there's a, quite a, a wide range of Lavateria available. Brendan Springs is quite a deep one. Uh, Barnsley is a lovely white or light pink variety. Uh, the Brooms, which are blooming at the moment dead easy to grow just mm-hmm. put them into the garden they'll, they'll grow so easy hydrangeas very simple to go for scythiae um, flowering red currant the lovely uh, Pieris forest flame or katsuru with the lovely red foliage at the moment they're again dead easy to grow just put down a little bit of, mm. of uh, lime free compost with them look at this a huge variety of plants available maybe some of the herbaceous plants as well delphiniums lupins flocks hostas all of those that flower every year so once you put them in and many of those herbaceous plants multiply they actually you put in a small little plant and within a couple of years they've multiplied and they're great gap fillers as well so within that shrub border I would use a mixture of this type of shrubs that I mentioned or go to your local garden centre and ask them for good hardy easy to grow shrubs and also put in some herbaceous plants as well like the delphiniums lupins foxgloves um, hostas which are lovely at the moment the huge variety of stilbase which will be coming into flower very very soon and they not only flower this year but will flower every year after but it's a great time now is the time to get them in Okay, now you just mentioned flocks there and somebody yeah. else w- says they'd like to plant flocks and peony roses but they have a lot of ground elder in the bed where oh, they'd yeah. like to put them and how do they get rid of that? Well, ground elder, it's it's um, it's it's a difficult weed. Okay. It's often called bishop weed as well and it's about what, about four or five inches high at the moment. Now actually would be a good time to treat it. Um, again, use something, a, a systemic weed killer because you need to get rid of the root and trying to dig out ground elder or bishop weed, if you leave a small portion of the root behind it's just going to come up again so for me I would if it's a clean fairly clean area again use the 360 weed killer a day like today would be ideal the, the ground elder will die within a two week period and it'll be safely 
very, very easy, easy to plant after that. If the ground elder is growing up through existing shrubs and you want to spot treat it, so sometimes because it's so, such an invasive weed, it spreads like a, like a strawberry runner mm. and often it, it pops up through other shrubs. If you've got it growing up through other shrubs, you can get a, a special gel. I think Roundup make it. Um, it's a special gel that you can just dab onto the actual leaf of the ground elder and that will kill the plant without obviously damaging the shrub. So you just treat the leaf of the plant that's growing up through another plant. But I think in this instance, the listeners are inter- interested in planting flocks and other mm. shrubs. So really use the 360 through a washing can or a sprayer, a little bit of washing up liquid. The ground should be clean within two, a two-week period and it'll be safe to plant after that. Okay. Somebody's wondering, will sheep eat roses? Now, these people live in Ackle and they have a wedding next May and they want the place looking good. Right. Well, traditional roses, you know, the hybrid teas, mm. the trumpeters, won't be in flower for May. So, and yes, <laughs> the sheep will <laughs> eat them as well because the, the growth on roses, the young growth, is very, very soft and the thorns don't develop until midsummer. Right. Now, having said that, yes. I brought our this yes. our friend, mm. right? So this is Rosa de la Haye. And look at look at the thorns on that thing. Yes, I Put can. Put your hand yeah, on that. Yeah, I'm not going to right? hold too tightly now. No, because, because it's, it's full of thorns. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and good and sharp. It's flowering now, so we're just coming into May and it's just beginning to flower. Um, and it has a fabulous scent. I'm only actually after smelling yeah, that. Yeah, a beautiful mm. scent. And they're, so they're the shrub roses. And again, they'll tolerate Ackle, the weather in Ackle very, very well. So look for some of the shrub varieties. There's lots of different colours and different types available. They need very, very little care, very, very little pruning. I often plant them in through other shrubs just for a, a, a blast of colour for May and June. And um, they would certainly grow in Ackle and would be sheep proof. There you go. I think that answers your question. So Rosa Ragosa or Rosa, that's Rosa de la Haye. um, But there's lots of other varieties available and good time to plant them. They're going to give some colour this year, but particularly for next year, they're going to be absolutely lovely. Okay, May an ideal time. Perfect. There you go. Hopefully we've solved that. (laughs) Now, somebody's wondering about lavender, Porrick. Can they cut back lavender? The new bloom is gone now. Yeah, and now is the time to prune lavender. I always advise leaving the, the winter coat on lavender, not touching it in the autumn or winter period, to leave it alone and cut back to where you see some new growth. So you're going to be cutting the lavender back by at least a foot, maybe 15 inches, um, possibly within six inches of ground level. So get the secateurs out, good prune it good and tight back, feed it of course put a little bit of um, sea mungus on it or a tree and shrub feed on it and you get lots of new growth again. Okay. So yeah, good time to prune the to- lavender. Now, sulphate of iron. Somebody, yes. Can you put sulphate of iron on twice to get rid of moss? They've done a treatment about three weeks ago okay, already. So yeah. I suppose they maybe you're feeling that... They missed a spot, I suppose. Well, or there's, possibly. Yeah. There's still a bit of moss, obviously. The answer there. is yes, yes. Um, um, you know, mix your the sulphate of iron in a, in a washing can or with the sprayer and just spray it on. And that will that will kill the moss. There's no problem whatsoever applying uh, sulphur of iron a couple of times through the season. And to be honest, you know, by all means, do yeah. it at this time of year. But coming into the autumn and winter period, that's the time to to apply sulphur of iron. So mark that in your diaries okay. for next autumn, because you're you're eliminating moss before it starts to grow. to grow. Right. And I, you know, right through the winter period, one or two applications will certainly keep the lawn in good condition because it's a tonic for the lawn, yeah. but it'll also get rid of the moss as well. But in terms of spraying today, this weekend, yes, get the sulphate of iron out and, and apply it to the lawn. Okay. And what about getting rid of daisies on a lawn? There's a lot of daisies and dandelions I notice around at the moment. There are. Um, Dicoflower, you'll find very good. Dicoflower, it's it's sold in a litre bottle, mm-hmm. pipe bottle, Dicoflower. It's very, very good for lawns in terms of eliminating clover or dandelions 
dandelions, daisies, any of the broadleaf weeds. Again, let the lawn grow for about a week or 10 days before you apply. So allow the daisies to bloom and the and dandelions to bloom. Okay. The more foliage that's on them, the better the treatment is going to work. So get a bo- bottle of dico flower, apply it to the entire lawn area. It won't damage the grass and it will... Um, eliminate any broadly weeds. Now, if you are using lawn weed killers and you're using them in a spray machine, make sure the spray machine is clean. Right. You know, if you might, may have been using it for Roundup or some Something other treatment, else. so make sure you wash it out with a good washing up liquid, pump it through the system, clean it out, and then use your dica flower, and that will get the, the get, eliminate all the broadleaf weeds without damaging the grass. Okay, if there's any residue left in the, for example if you were in your spraying machine is it going to just make the dike flower not work? No, or? no, no, it, well, you know if you if you have, if have say you were spraying Roundup last yeah, weekend It's going to kill everything. Uh, it's it's going to damage the grass, right? right? Okay. So it's just, and if you use a little, small bit of detergent washing up liquid and just pump it through the system wash it out again, the detergent takes the, it actually pulls the, the weed killer through the system and cleans your, your spraying machine lovely. Now, begonia. Somebody has a begonia that's too big for the pot that it's in at the moment. They're wondering, can they split it or would it die if they did no, that? No, no, you can split begonias. Um, it depends what variety it is. It's, it's probably the indoor begonia, begonia rex with the lovely foliage, but they can be split or it may be one of the tuberous begonias which are grown from a, a, a tuber or a corn bulb, bulbous type material. Mm. Um, so, begonias can be split. Uh, good sharp knife, just take it out of its pot, split it in two and repot it back into a smaller pot um, using good quality compost and it'll be perfect okay just be careful on the watering too that you're not giving it uh, because you've split it in two it's going to need less watering right, for right. the first couple of weeks anyway until it starts to produce new roots okay. but yeah you can split begonias very very uh, successfully because if you have too much water presumably you'll rot the you'll, rot, you'll actually rot yeah because okay. the, you, you've, you've basically reduced the root stem or yeah. the, the root system yeah. by 50% so you want to be cutting back on the watering just watching that. Okay. Is it too late to sow lupin seeds? No, but but if you sow the seed now you won't. they won't flower this year. But certainly for the for sowing um, all perennial plants like delphiniums, foxgloves, poppies, lupins, there, now is a great time to sow the seed because the temperatures are going to be warming up. They'll germinate very rapidly. I would put them into a pot or a seed tray, have the compost moist. Lupin seed is quite large, so it's very easy to sow. Covers with compost, covers with a bit of cling film, and they'll germinate within about a three or four week period. Plant them up and plant them out of doors then anytime from June onwards and they'll come into flower next summer, so June, July of next summer by sowing the seed now. It's not too late to plant plants of lupins. So if the listener wanted a bit of colour for this year, you could get yourself some lupin plants and they will bloom this year and maybe sow some seed as well. Okay. Now, possibly last question, Pork. Uh, very interesting. I see the word snakes here in front snake. of me. Um, anything to kill small <laughs> snakes from outside my house at night or where can I get a product? Well, Trapetoni is, is climbing <laughs> Crow Patrick today, so... <laughs> <laughs> you might be able to do something for I you. I think we might not be talking about snakes, but something like smaller so, insects, yeah, perhaps. It sounds like millipedes, right. which are a black. They're a, a black insect, about four, yeah. three to four inches long. Um, you'll know them because once you 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 knock them to the ground, they curl up into a kind of a C shape. Oh, and that's, yeah, millipedes, okay. millions of legs, is what it means. So millipedes, look at. I mean, they're not destructive. They're not going to do any damage to your garden. I mean, some people freak. It freaks them out when you know when they see them there. But they tend to come in at night time up onto walls or up into pathways um, just taking the heat from the from the house um, if you want to get rid of them you can use a, a treatment called Protective C which is a simple spray you spray it onto the pathway as soon as the millipede walks onto it it eliminates the millipede um, but to be honest look at it unless they're you can get the sweeping brush sweep them out and, 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 and chuck them away uh, but you could use the Protective C that will certainly 
Okay. As soon as they walk onto it, it will kill but them. But they're not really doing any they harm. Do they're any just damage. a bit on the ugly side. The, perhaps, if so. you had them in a greenhouse with lo- and you had lots of seeds sown, mm. I'd say, okay, maybe, you know, they, 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 they do eat seedlings, they eat very young plants, but I mean, they're not, they're not a pest of the garden as such. They're not going to ravish your roses and, or do any damage okay. to the garden. They're not going to leave holes in anything yeah. or anything No, like no. That. And sometimes I suppose they come into houses and people... You yeah, know, you'll see them sometimes. Yeah, sometimes yeah. you'll see okay. them. Um, but uh, but funny enough, at times as well, particularly early in the spring and this time of year, you, you often get maybe a couple of hundred on, on a, a particular house. All right, so I've never seen a you know. Yeah. But 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 you, listeners yeah. often ring up when they've got literally hundreds of okay, them. Okay, well, I suppose if you're looking at hundreds of them, you know, it's a different so, story. So yeah. yeah. So yeah. the protective sea, yes, and you can use that treatment indoors or out of doors. As soon as the millipede comes onto it, it will it will uh, reduce their numbers. Shall we say? Okay. That's unfortunately all we have time for, but we do not forget about the bees that are on the later on this afternoon. The bees, yeah. Philip McCabe in the Chagas Centre in, in, on the West on the Newport Road in Westport uh, at two thirty. Right. So if you're interested in, in learning about bees or going out to the apiary, just to observe uh, how how bees are, are cared for, that's well worth um, going going along, going along and, and uh, the Westport Beekeeping Club are encouraging anyone with any interest uh, to come out and, and join Philip McCabe and ask him questions or just see the guys working with the bees. So that's the Chagas Centre uh, on the Newport Road in Westport, 2.30 today. And Philip is also in the Museum of Country Life tomorrow uh, afternoon and he's going to give a talk on, on, on bees and honey and all, yeah. all that good stuff. Great. That's going to be very, very interesting. So uh, if you're going along, do enjoy. Porik, uh, we're back again next Saturday. We are indeed. After nine. And of course, you'll be on the screens on Thursday morning. Thursday morning, half eight. Um, and uh, we're going to be doing herbs and tomatoes this Brilliant. week. So okay. th- that might be of interest. So that's TV3 Thursday morning at 8.30. And uh, remember the website, gardencentre.ie, if you want any fact sheets. Okay. Listen, thanks a million. Thanks, Deirdre. All right. Good morning to Porik and indeed to everybody out there. And uh, we'll be back again next Saturday for me just after seven and gardening again at nine. Until then, a very good morning.